combined with Harness Racing New South Wales brings you On The Pace for your daily dose of news and tips. Good morning, welcome to On The Pace and a happy King's birthday to all of you around New South Wales or if you're further afield listening on the Sky Sport Radio app. Great to have your company, I hope you are enjoying a day off. It's Michael Guerin to talk all things harness racing for the next half an hour. For those who haven't caught up with the news, Australian success or Australian brave performances offshore overnight and into yesterday we had Lochinvar Art, the former Chariots of Fire winner, successful in the Battle of Erie yesterday at Northfield Park in the US. It's not the biggest race in the world but it's worth 200000 United States dollars, and Lauren and Shane Tritton, both natives of New South Wales, taking that big victory, their biggest in North America. So congratulations to them from behalf of all of us in Australasian harness racing, but particularly in New South Wales. And also, Just Believe, the little trotter from Victoria, a horse we know well, at Menangle, uh, third in northern Sweden on overnight, Saturday into Sunday, and very, very brave. So huge performance to go that far and be that competitive. He has won more race this week uh, at another of the Swedish tracks, where this time of the year it's basically daylight and sunlight for 23 hours a day. So between Just Believe in Sweden and Arti, Lockenvarat, in North America... Australian standard breads uh, doing the country proud uh, all over the world. We're going to talk to Cameron Hart at the back end of our half an hour today because it is true Memorial Day at Bankstown. So we race at Bankstown this afternoon, then we race at Canberra tonight. But the true Memorial is a race with a storied history. It's been won by some great horses over the years. These days it's not quite as big as it used to be, but it's a Group 3, and it's worth $50,000. It goes at 4.14. It's our feature today at Bankstown. First on the card, by the way, there goes at 12.43. So if you're in the greater Sydney region, and you don't often get a chance to go to the Harness, or haven't been to Bankstown for a long time, good fun meeting there today with the Trotters Cup on as well. So we'll talk to Cameron Hart before the end of our half an hour program, but a really special opportunity for me personally and for the industry to welcome to the show John Dumasey. He's the Chief Executive of Harness Racing New South Wales, and he is, sadly, leaving that role in just under a month's time. Now, I won't be back on the radio with you for the next month. I have some overseas duties coming up and then a holiday, so my last chance to talk to John in his current role. And John, first of all, on behalf of the industry, uh, thank you. Also, thank you for joining us this morning. It must be quite a weird situation for you now, thinking that in a month's time, you won't have to get out of bed and think about harness racing on a daily basis. Oh, well, uh, good morning, Michael and all, all listeners. And it's not a sa- sad time at all. And will I not get out of bed and, and think about harness racing? That'll never happen. So... Um, it might be a little bit later getting out of bed, that's all. John, how long, because I remember you working with the famous Peter Volandis, you were the, the twin towers of harness racing out of Harold Park, and man, that seems a long time ago. How long have you actually been involved in harness racing administration? 
ad- administration. I, I started out with the Parks Harness Racing Club in, in the mid, early to mid 80s. Uh, I, I joined Peter at Harold Park on, a, on the 14th of July, 1988. He started on or around the 1st of July. So, uh, yes, we, we worked together and uh, collaboratively and still work together um, uh, to this day, uh, some you know, 35 years later. Well, this isn't a, an interview about Peter Volandis, but he is a person who a lot of people don't know personally, and they know he has a lot of power in Australian sport. How have you found Peter over the years? Is he more or less the same person now that he is all-conquering as he was back on July the 14th, 1988? Uh, certainly never never changed. A, a person that could, um, a visionary, really, that could see what needed to be done, and then he was very much able to carry that out. Uh, but it's like everything. It's like um, I, I've had a, a very long time in, in harness racing, you can't do these things without people around you, but always you need a leader. And uh, he certainly uh, is a leader. He's a leader in the thoroughbred industry, uh, in the racing industry, and, and more so now in, in the rugby league um, here in across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, he's taken it to uh, new heights, and he'll take it even further. You talk about change and, and needing to make change. John, in your time, by far the biggest change uh, tangibly has been the sale of Harold Park and the building and development of Menangle and that's had many other changes around it. One of the side products of that has been New South Wales horses becoming the dominant horses on the Grand Circuit because Menangle racing is so tough. Tell us about the process when you and Rex Horn and the board at, Menang- at Harold Park started to think of this thing, which would have been unthinkable to some people at the time, through to the sale process, through to the building of Menangle. Were there times during that process, John, where you thought, this is all just going to be a little bit too hard? I never thought it was, would be too hard. Um, we, we had a strategy. We followed that strategy. And it was in so many compartments, though. Um, we, we had to... Uh, a convince our members at Harold Park that it was right to move. We we had to have a place to move to, and all these moving parts were were there. But most importantly, we had to convince a government that here we had open space. Open space is is a zoning that really made the the value of the land about fourteen million dollars. It, it didn't come in for much more than that because it was just a racetrack. So we had to convince a government. Um, and council to change that zoning, uh, that was successful. We travelled round country New South Wales and convinced uh, little small pockets of members across New South Wales that they should vote for the sale of Harold Park. But one of the things they always put on us was, well, where are you going to go? Um, of course, we had many members that, that put up alternate alternatives to where we ended up, and where we ended up was Menangle Park, but, but it was always going to be Menangle Park. Nowhere in the world was there a greenfield site where you could establish a, a track such as uh, Tabcourt Park Menangle, a 1,400 metre specifically designed and, and constructed by Dan Coon and, and his family uh, with a lot of work from a lot of people and all with no money. That was the thing because Harold Park hadn't been sold. John, some people would say when you move from 
close enough to the CBD, you lose a lot of active participants. I was obviously at Harold Park on many Friday nights before you left, and there weren't that many people there quite often. But also, anybody who lives in the city knows that traffic is bad, and traffic for horses and horse floats is a lot worse. Are you happy now, if you look back on it, as you're about to leave your full-time role in harness racing for at least a while, are you happy with that decision, how it played out and what you've been able to create since? Or is there something you would have done differently? Nothing differently. And how it played out was exactly as the plan. Everything takes time. One of the things that we, we knew we, we needed to do was be re-established in an area where we, we possibly wouldn't get complaints from residents. That doesn't mean that we didn't get complaints when we went to Menangle Park. We got complaints from from uh, with the, the sound uh, riding on the wind across to uh, the nearby uh, villages of Camden and Norellan and, and what have you. So, But we are established. Menangle Park, uh, in, in the next two years, will have those 4,500 uh, dwellings uh, constructed there. The audience is there. The walking audience will be there for Menangle Park. Yes, of course, we, we left a Metropolis with people nearby, but, but it's... it's it's, it's every part that you look at, and every, the main part was we could re-establish. We would then have funds, and the funds are still there, where we could um, just push them into prize money, push them into other initiatives, and grow it. The other part that m- not many people will realise is the fact that all the money that was invested from not Harold Park, not the Racecourse Development Fund as in Harness Racing Racecourse Development Fund, but government monies that went into Harold Park, they were then returned to Harness Racing New South Wales. From that grew the infrastructure that now sits across New South Wales. We have Bathurst, we have Wagga, we have improvements uh, significantly at Newcastle and at uh, uh, Penrith, and of course we purchased uh, uh, Tamworth, and we've done a lot of work there. So it all fits in, and, and it all continues to grow an industry, which I, I unashamedly say... New South Wales is the leading jurisdiction across every sector of the industry in Australia. John, what about the challenges that harness racing follows? And, and you obviously have a broad spectrum of information, both the financial information and also the culture of the information. The gallops get bigger. They have a lot more resource in the Daily Telegraph. They have, being honest, a lot more resource on, on Sky Television. So is it hard to fight to keep market share when the Gallops has become such a massive behemoth and New South Wales, New South Wales seems to just randomly drop in million-dollar races all over the place? Is it hard for harness racing to remain relevant? It isn't hard if everybody gets on the same path, the pathway to, to continue to grow. Um, racing is, is an old sport. Uh, we all know that people don't like to change too much. But you've got to change, not change just for the fact of changing, but change for the better. There are so many more things that we can do in harness racing, and they're there for the, the following administrators to, to enact and take forward. But we must change. But you all also need to be um, a realist, and it's about the wagering turnover. And the way the wagering income has changed, 1964, the TAB... Uh, was introduced, the money just flowed in. And I must say, many, many administrators 
across all three codes of racing became complacent. And, and they, they let go uh, somewhat the crowds. So nowadays, we only see crowds on the major, major meetings at, on all codes. But, but the thing is with it, though, in those days, the only place to see the action was at the track. You, you could listen to it on the radio, but to see the action, you had to be at the track. Once we sold to Sky Channel and the racing just expanded, uh, people talk about um, this meeting there or that meeting there in the good old days. But in the good old days, you had to travel a couple of hours to go to those six, six race programs, but not all full, full fields, all competing against one another across the state. In harness racing, I'm talking. Um, but now you can stay at home and see it all. So we must be very astute in what we do in making sure that we generate wagering turnover and have a clean sport. And I must say, Harness Racing New South Wales is a world leader when it comes to integrity measures. And I know it's a world leader because we attack so many times about how tough we are and how draconian we are and why we want to pro provide that level playing field. The people that complain are those that are affected. The others, they go along for the ride. But you must have very strong integrity. And I, I, I will say out, outwardly, we do have it in New South Wales. John, if you had a magic wand you could wave to change one or two things in harness racing in Australia, or more specifically in this state, what would you like to change? Well, I'll, I'll talk about the state only. Um, uh, the negativity would be the magic wand. Throw out the negativity, be positive, think of what you can do to take the industry forward and how it will benefit you. Uh, if it needs to be collaborative, uh, you, you need to be collaborative. You need with clubs to share in race dates, to, to get a better race date, to generate that wagering. If it, if it comes down to the horse, uh, men and women of the sport, the owners, the trainers, and we need larger field sizes, we need larger field sizes on those tracks that can safely accommodate those field sizes and still provide an opportunity to win. So they're the sort of things. Forget the negativity, think about the positivity and take it forward, uh, looking at how do we make this sport grow. Um, year on year, with breeding in New South Wales, uh, last year to this season, just past the breeding season, we have served, there were more mares served. How do you do that? Well, Harness Racing New South Wales introduced a scheme called Breed New South Wales that if you get that foal on the ground, Harness Racing New South Wales will reward you. How much is that going to cost? It's $2 million each year. So as we continue it out, that's $6 million in the three years that the commitment is to, but we have to create the money to continue those sort of programs on. So it's about being positive and forget the negativity. John, I know as the boss of the industry, you're not supposed to have favourites, but I'm going to throw a couple of sections of the industry at you, and I want to try and get the people or the horses that have stuck in your mind in those sections since 1988, or even before when you were at Parks. Driver. Who's the driver or drivers who had something magical about them in your time in harness racing? Oh, there's so many, but if, if I stay in New South Wales, because we are a wide land, but if I stay in, in New South Wales, I, I will say I'm, I'm going to put trainer drivers in the, in the one bucket because I probably can't split them. I, I'm going to say uh, Kevin Newman and, and Brian Hancock. Uh, 
two different men, uh, slightly different eras, but just master horsemen. Master horsemen as, as far as conditioning a horse went and certainly master horsemen when it came to driving. But there's so many others. I, I was so fortunate uh, because I was born into the harness racing industry. I met all some, some greats in the past I met, uh, and I'm meeting the greats of today. So um, just so many and, and, and like some of the, the best men. And if I go to New Zealand, I'm going to talk about um, the Purden family and in particular old Roy. And then if I go to Victoria, there was no one better than, than Gavin Lang. Um, he, he was just a, a, a super rangeman. And of course, our old friend Vin Knight. What about horses? I mean, you would have seen a lot of horses come and go, and we won't restrict this to New South Wales horses because horses don't know when they're crossing a border. I'll give you three. You've been the boss for a long time. You deserve three. Who are three horses who touched your heart in your time in harness racing? In my time in harness racing, uh, you can't restrict it to three. I'm going to say before I came to Sydney, uh, you've got Honda, Powerface, Mount Eden and Halwes. They would be four there. When I, when I come to, to Harold Park, I would say the greatest horse I ever saw was uh, Christian Cullen. But how can you go past the likes of I'm the Mighty Quinn, uh, the likes of uh, Bowtie, and the, and the likes of, of uh, King of Swing, and so many others that, that really stamp their mark. And their record's there. Their record will stand for... for for a hell of a long time and never ever forget that mighty mighty Queenslander uh, Blacks are fake uh, what a freak he was he should have won every Inter-Dominion he contested other than a masterful drive from Anthony Butt he didn't win on the Gold Coast so uh, what Natalie Rasmussen did with that horse was just magical Alright John um, you were stepping away from this role I believe on July the 7th is that correct? Uh, that's right I'll, I'll, I'll clock out at 5pm you, you, you can probably clock out at four. No one's going to be mad at you if you do. But who's taking over as the chief executive of Harness Racing in New South Wales? And do, are you confident the industry has the right people to run it heading into 2024 and beyond? Uh, they certainly do. Peter Buckman will take over the role of, of chief executive. He, he comes from a harness racing background and a, and a passion for harness racing. He was on the board of Harness Racing New South Wales since... 2019. So he's had a very good uh, grounding. And what's more, he's worked under me for for the last couple of months. It'll be three months by the time I step out. So he's he's learning all the nuances as best he can, because there are so many different aspects of this sport that you've got to be across. Harness Racing New South Wales is the regulator and also the commercial operator it's not the easiest role to have because, as I said earlier, uh, you must have very, very, very strong integrity. We have it in New South Wales, and then you have to be commercial operators. And you've, you've got a fund to work with, uh, a wagering fund that you must keep balanced to deliver to all of industry, not just one section, but all of industry. And, and that's the challenge that's there. Uh, we've, we, our board uh, regenerates every, every couple of years. So you've got a board, a board that really is passionate about the industry. We will have a new board member shortly um, to replace uh, Peter Buckman, who was on the board. So we, we have to appoint a new board member there. So, yes, it, it's all about um, what's in front of it. But they do have, they have the acumen 
they have the passion and they will have the drive to go forward. Now, this year we have a strategic plan year, which means the entire industry gets an opportunity to speak up, put it in writing, talk to the board about where they see the industry to be. Nobody has all the ideas. Everybody has the ideas, bring them together, pick the eyes out of them and take this industry forward. Our last strategic plan was outstanding. As I said, we are in New South Wales in the best place of any state. And, and, and that's something to be proud of, not to boast about, to be proud of. Uh, and we hope the other industries, uh, the other states come forward. We need Tasmania. We need South Australia. We need a strong Western Australia. We need a strong Queensland and we need also a strong Victoria. So it, it's about the industry across the land. But I, I've always said um, in my role, uh, the Murray River to the south and Tweed Heads to the north is the boundaries of, of where I work to. And I've worked to, um, I think, to, to my best ability and diligently for harness racing across New South Wales. There were some pretty dark times around COVID and there's been dark times too with integrity issues in the past when you've been involved in the industry. And I must say, harness racing New South Wales have stamped them out pretty darn quickly, even if it meant getting a bunch of negative publicity. What's the message you would give? Because a lot of people in the industry listen to these shows. What's the one thing you would try and say to the harness racing community that you've learnt? And it can be a plea about how you would like to see it go forward. It can be things that you feel grateful for being involved in. What's your message to the harness racing participants as you're getting ready to leave this role? Well, I was privileged. I was I was at Harness Racing New South Wales um, in the dark times of COVID. I was at the club in the dark times of equine influenza. I, I was selected by the government with equine influenza to lead the industry over the regulator. Um, people came on board. People followed the the leadership. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to follow the leadership. The leadership may not get it 100% right all the time but they'll get it 99 percent right when you're looking at the entire industry so it, it's it's get on board and follow what 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 the leaders of the industry are doing those who are empowered by government or others to take an industry forward and support them support them all the way I, like when when the coronavirus um hit there were a lot of uh, phone calls on the 20th of march uh ringing uh, ministers of the of the state uh, in the government to convince them that harness racing, thoroughbred racing and greyhound racing could continue on because we were such good regulators. And the government gave, gave us that license and that license uh, provided for so many. It provided entertainment for those people who were locked up in their homes. It certainly provided welfare for the horses that if we didn't have people out there caring for them, I'm not sure what would have happened to them. But we were able to do it. I got many, many calls. Some of them were quite distressing. Uh, what What are you doing to us? You can't keep racing. You're going to kill us. You're going to kill our, our, our children and our grandchildren. We had to take that. And we had to make some some decisions. And it's not me alone that makes those decisions. We had a work group, a very good group of men and women that got together to make some really tough decisions. But those tough decisions were right. We raced all the way through. There were some, some hiccups with people being drawn out. They weren't really hiccups. They were, you know, they were just impositions we had to place at the time, but we did it. But the industry must follow its leaders, must support its leaders, 
of course, the leaders must show leadership and lead in, the, in, in a good direction. Uh, when that falls over, well, that's a different situation. But with this current board, the board that will continue on after my time and the chief executive and the management of Harness Racing New South Wales that continue on, you must give them the opportunity which they deserve and they will be able to carry out. You're listening to John Dummersey, who's the Chief Executive of Harness Racing New South Wales, soon to step down from that role. We were going to have Cameron Hart on this morning. We haven't been able to get hold of him, and more importantly, we're enjoying this very rare opportunity to talk about John's time in harness racing. John, as you you go to leave harness racing, um, I'm sure somebody's going to want you to sit on a board or take over a role or be a consultant, but I know you don't want to do that straight away. What are you going to do on July the 8th when you no longer have to put the collar and tie on and go to work and and control a very large industry. Well, I, I promised I'd go to, get out in the garden on July 8th, but um, I hope that does happen. But I'll, I'll spend more time. I, this morning I've been at a uh, rugby union um, uh, knockout for my um, grandson, under 12s. Um, I, I love going to the, the, the football, more rugby league than rugby union, but... I, I think I'll relax for a while and, and see what, what comes up and maybe pick and choose. John, uh, on a more personal note, thank you. I've been involved in harness racing for an awfully long time and you and I have not agreed on everything, which is probably good for the industry. We've agreed on plenty of things. Um, from Harold Park to Menangle, I, I wasn't sure you and Rex and everybody else could pull that off. You have, and uh, I wasn't sure you could pull COVID off, but you did. Mate, um, congratulations on a wonderful contribution, which is not to an industry or a money-making device, but to the lives of so many people. So many people's livelihoods are based around harness racing in many different ways. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great to talk to you about these things. I know you'll be at the tracks all the time, and you still are still in that role, but uh, I won't be getting a chance to see you in that role. I know I'll be seeing you at the Eureka, because I know there's no way on God's earth I'll be able to keep you away from an angle on that Saturday night. But... John, thanks for everything you've done and for the opportunity to talk to our Sky Sport radio listeners this morning. Uh, thank you, Michael. But, but it's more than the financial uh, takeout of the sport. It's the passion of people. It's their, their, li- their, their pleasure, their pastimes and everything. That's what makes such a great sport like harness racing. When, when the one person can be the breeder, the owner, the strapper, the trainer and the driver and they, they get in and then, of course, their family comes around that. So... Uh, harness racing is a wonderful sport. It's a very affordable sport. Um, so I encourage anyone that's not in the sport, have a look. Have a, have a look at harness racing and, and see what's there for you because you'll get immense enjoyment out of it. John, have a great last three weeks. Enjoy the garden. I will see you at the Eureka in September. Thank you, Michael. John Dummersey, the Chief Executive of Harness Racing New South Wales, soon to leave. Um, we haven't had time for Cameron Hart this morning, but he's also been on the phone, so he may well be travelling to Bankstown. Racing today, Bankstown kicks off Truer Memorial Day at 12.43. Last race on the card there is the Truer, the big one, the Group 3, 4.14, and also the Trotters Cup goes at 3.38. Tonight we go to the Capital for racing at Canberra. First race there is at 6.15. Hope you enjoyed that chat with John Dummersey. Hard to believe anybody could be that enthusiastic about anything after 40-odd years of doing the job, but he very much is so. Uh, This is my last on the pace for a couple of weeks. I'm off to Ascot to go look at some stuff and hopefully learn. Gives you a chance to listen more to, to Fred Hastings. He'll be taking care of the winners' segments on Friday. And, of course, Brittany Graham. She'll be back for On the Pace 
on Wednesday morning from 10.30.